We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. We don't do episode numbers anymore here. This could be episode 9,000 for all we know. Scott, what's up? Pretty sure it's in the 600s, though. We did. We, we actually missed our 600th celebration. Uh, but yeah, it's in the 600s. And when you get to a point, it's like, I'm not going to say my age because it's depressing. But when you get to a certain point, you just stop counting at that point, right? You're just, you are. You 600 are you are. episodes. That is what it is. 600. Yeah, 600 episodes is almost like your 24th birthday. It's like, it's like, yeah, 21 is obviously big. And there's another milestone coming up that you you might be afraid of, depending on the person that you are. 24, 25, 26, 27. Who gives a crap? Like, it's just a lot. See, I, I think it's more along the lines of 30. Like, 500 was like the 30. Oh, I was thinking like, okay. 500 was 21st. Been, been here birthday. for a minute. Been here for a minute. No, no. Because we, we at 500, we, that, that just... That shows you're a crafty okay. veteran. You know what I mean? Like you're you're at the different level now, 500, not level of anything beyond reps. That's what I'm talking about. But 500 is a lot of reps. It's a lot of things to record. It's a lot of times I have to talk to you, looking at you in a multicolored fleece. Like there's a lot of things happening there. So 600 is like, eh, it's just another 100 past five. Okay, I got you. I knew you were going to mention the fleece. You always mention the fleece. You like it. You like it. I know you like it. <laughs> I'm just surprised you're not wearing your fluorescent green hat with that. That hat is not on my person. It is. That is my Rhode Island hat, (laughs) along with my Yankees bucket. Anyway, a man, Aaron Judge, tied the knot. Secretly, he kept that under the radar, but he was in Hawaii, longtime girlfriend, I believe, high school sweetheart, married in Hawaii. We saw the pictures um, that got leaked on social. I forget even how they came out. Of Luis Sessa, Glaber Torres, and Gary Sanchez all hanging out in Hawaii. You're thinking, okay, these guys are just, you know, going on a little lockout vacay. You know, poor, also poor Louis. I was like, Louis, Louis Sessa? Louis Sessa? Are we, are we back? Also, poor Louis Sessa. It's like, oh, yeah, he got traded. He's got to tag along. Doesn't have the same amount of cash as these other guys. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll go to Hawaii, but can I bunk up with one of you guys? Because, you know, I, I ain't uh, raking in the, the big arbitration dollars. But yeah, so that that's what happened. Judge Judge got married. Uh, good for him. That's I don't know. Good for him. Good for him. Makes a lot of sense. I think makes a lot of sense. It's uh, very on brand for him to marry his high school sweetheart. This is the girl that was, uh, you know, caught some flack or was it last summer or the during summer the pandemic? Definitely when, during the pandemic where she got pulled yeah. over for drunk driving and then pulled the Hey, do you know who my boyfriend? card don't is. you know who in arizona is. Yeah. which they were probably like no i don't know who that is <laughs> like like what are you talking about lady yeah we barely know baseball uh no but clearly you know this was a little blip on the radar for for uh for her and i think it was overblown to be honest during the time 
Aaron Judge did not like it one bit. When well, hold on. Let's also let's let's so, say what's overblown. Her pulling the "Hey, do you know who my boyfriend card is?" was overblown. Her drunk driving's not overblown. In the way that she's. Oh no! no yeah, sorry. In the way that she said it, I thought it was overblown. Yeah, yeah. Do not drunk um, drive. Let's be clear. But, do not uh, drunk drive. <laughs> do not drink and drive. Do not do that. No, that is very clear. That was not overblown. The um, but yeah, on brand for him getting uh, married. You know, good for him. I'm happy. Uh, more of a departure. I'm happy. Do you think that she made? Do you think that she made him close the gap oh, yeah. before oh, she definitely. said yes? No, maybe not before she said yes. Really, high school. Maybe not high before school. she said yes, but definitely. Yeah, you know what? Now that I think about it. That was probably more for marketing. Although Strahan has been, he's all over the place. Yeah, and I was going to say the, the, the gap, gap to me is more. But I think for Judge, I mean, he his managers and agents probably got in his ear. And it's like, hey, you want to do Pepsi commercials? You want to do Jersey Mike's commercials? Let's get that smile. I disagree. Tight. I disagree. I think that he just wanted to have it done. And it was a, and it's like, I, he's got a, walk through his own life so he just did it because he wanted but then to do I, I i also question it's like listen getting your teeth fixed is not cheap by any means but like as an adult you can you can just get that done if you want to get that done and he waited until after he was in the league for a couple years to do that it's not like he needed the money Maybe to do it he just personally wasn't ready for it it's not a money thing it's uh you know like you could you could probably get your insurance to pay for it if it becomes a problem with Everyday life, drinking through straws. <laughs> food, food keeps falling know. out of my mouth. Like, I can't keep my body tartar, nourished. Too much tartar buildup. Yeah, they don't make floss <laughs> wide enough. You know what I mean? Like there, there are problems that you have to go through. So, now nah, he made he made the decision because he wanted to. So good for him. I'm happy for him. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, very much like expected. More to of be a departure you from the vegetarian really... model, where yes. Jeter wanted to wait until after he was done playing in order to settle down, have a, have a family. We thought maybe what was her name? Um, crap, I'm trying to blank on her name. Yeah, the, the HBO, HBO Minka Kelly, Kelly. When she was in the HBO documentary that was surrounding Jeter's 3,000 yeah. hit, we're like, okay, this is it. It's Minka. I mean, she she it's won. Like Jeter wouldn't Jeter wouldn't have someone in this documentary that's going to be around forever who's not going to be his like, wife. Turns out we thought like wrong. in Hunger Games, like Minka was the last one standing. We were like, okay, she's the winner. No, Hannah was hidden. Yeah. She just came out of the woodwork, smack over the head. I'm taking it. I'm taking yeah. it. But uh, I, what I want to talk about with Judge quickly is because I read an article on NJ.com that was posted recently because Judge is basically the only Yankees news to come out since, uh, by the way, the lockout is still going strong. And they proposed this for an Aaron Judge contract extension. I want to get your thoughts. Six years, $227 million, which is $37.8 million AAV, plus vesting options for three years for his age 36, 37, and 38 seasons based on collective plate appearances. So it would probably be like if he reaches 500 plate appearances, the option vests. Uh, and they would throw in an opt-out after year three which is 2024 for Judge, where if for whatever reason he wants to retest the market, he can retest the market. Total contract value could be worth $340 million, but it's guaranteed to be worth at least $227 million. What are your thoughts? It's creative. It's definitely it's definitely creative. I think the opt-out after 2024 is becoming more of a, uh, a staple in these deals. There's they're building in opt-outs through these long-term deals. So it gives some flexibility. But why would Judge opt out um, after three years when he's going to be 33, 34 years old? That just doesn't seem like... I understand it. If if you're Judge be, signing with X team, the Texas Rangers, the Seattle Mariners, the Chicago Cubs, and you're unsure of like a little bit, hey, I just want to have a little security blanket where if I hate it here, I can opt out. But you already know New York. You're not going to hate it here in three years if you're willing to sign a long-term extension. I just don't understand that opt-out. I think what it does, one, it gives the uh, the player just the ability for flexibility. Um, but if he has a monster three years, he could, in theory, get a five-year deal. Could get a five-year deal from somebody, and now you're adding some some dollars on the end yes. of that. So um, that's that's where I think it becomes a... Plus, I think it's becoming... You're starting to see that in a lot of these, in a lot of these deals. These opt-outs are... Are, are seemingly structured in every one of these uh, these long term deals. So I think it's just also becoming like the marketplace for uh, for what's happening. But I, I look, I think the the contract makes makes a good amount of sense. I think it's uh, it's 
pretty pretty close to be what we've seen precedent wise across the league. And I could see something like this. Do you going think it would get sure. it done? Um, I think it would be pretty close. 37.8 million AAV is pretty close, I think. Yeah, the the three vesting options at the end based on collective plate appearances is, is certainly good for the team because that basically means if the player is playing, he's going to get you're going to continue having him on the team, which is obvious. I don't know if Judge would agree to three player vesting option, three vesting options. Maybe 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 one or two, but he might want 7 years guaranteed no matter what. Right. So, that's the only piece of this like you're tinkering with the end of the contract to get it done most likely. But I think the core of this deal, really more to what I'm speaking of, of the uh, the annual uh, the annual value, I think is pretty close to what would get it done. Um, but you're right. Three years seems like a lot. Maybe, maybe it's two, maybe it's one, uh, but they would probably have to... Looking at what's already happened, again, you should go back to age though. Six, seven years, it's going to be close to that. I think it's going to be pretty close to that. And if they're doing something that's based on plate appearances, like that does make a lot of sense for the team. Um, but it also gives him the opportunity to make a lot of money at the end of his career when, you know, probably not going to, you'd have to opt out to get that other five in order to get that, those right. dollars. You'd have to opt out, get a new contract to to be extended. That. So it's it's giving the the life of the deal, the ability for the player to get to that. Whereas I don't think a lot of teams would do and that. And whether they extend judge this offseason or not that doesn't really change the makeup of the existing team because we know he's one way or the other on the on the roster in 2022 there was an article by mike exisa i'm probably butchering that last name river Ave blues mike he wrote this for cbs.com and he said he used the word salvage how can the yankees quote salvage their offseason I found that interesting because it really does feel like that, right? Like they need to make moves whenever this lockout ends to to legitimately salvage the offseason. Make sure you don't go into next year with the same freaking problems on this roster because as it stands now, that's what they'd be doing whether they sign Aaron Judge or not. Yeah, they they I mean they have done nothing. <laughs> they, they haven't done anything. Jolie Rodriguez is a, a major league option now for the New York Yankees in 2022. That's something. But no, they have to they have to identify who's going to play shortstop. They have to identify, you know, multiple positions within the the team and like is first base just going to stay the way it is or are they actually going to do something? So so yeah, salvage makes sense, but like it's not even it's not that it's gone wrong. They just haven't done anything. They've done nothing. And the fact that this this lockout is happening right now and going to go through the new year as most likely, right? Like there's no end in sight. You you gotta make a move, and it's gonna be later in the uh, in the winter, and it just feels like nothing's happened or things have well, gone. Couple wrong. that with the fact that there was a free agent frenzy in the ten days leading up to the lockout, and then you have this feeling of like, oh crap, we missed out on all these potential guys who were out there who were signing. Like that's why I think people feel like it's been a disastrous off seasons because if everyone was still yeah. a free agent, no one would care. But so many of the top free agents, and I know not the top shortstop Correa is still out there, but the guy who most people as a Yankees fan would have rather had in Seager was signed. And I think if Seager even even if just Seager was still a free agent, the word salvage would not be used in this context. Because if they don't go after and land Correa, then there's a then clear shortstop's a freaking problem. I know there's also um, Trevor Story. Trevor Story. Okay, so Correa or Story that solves your shortstop problem. But other than that, there's you're in the same. You're you got problems at shortstop. Other than that, yeah. I mean, we talked in the last episode about the other um, possibilities to plug in a. And create a good roster without getting one of those shortstops, and I still think there's an opportunity to do that. But it's 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 not in this free agent market. You got to get tricky. You got to start entering the trades, which means you need uh, at least one other willing participant in in a in a trade, and that's obviously not the easiest to do in this type of uh, uh, in this type of landscape with, with with just the unknown around. So. Yeah, what were there? There were a couple other yeah, things. So, that, let, that he had put so I want to go that, through uh, his plan because I did find it interesting. The first one he said was, "Don't skimp on shortstop," m- meaning sign Correa. The second one that I that I liked was he said, "Focus on left field, not center field." And his argument is that 
There's actually some decent left fielders on the free agent market, but there's no more center fielders on the market now that the Mets signed Marte. And if you are going to be only addressing the outfield through free agency, then he is right. Don't sign. There's nobody in center field. Like legitimately, there's there, there's nobody who's going to impact your no. roster. But if you want to just sign an outfielder, you've got Schwarber, Conforto, Tommy Pham, Nick Castellanos, who are all projected to have greater than two war next season. Those are all impact players that you could add to the outfield to make an impact. But that means Judge and Gallo are going to have to combine to basically be your center field. Well, I mean, you're, you're just assuming that Aaron Hicks isn't going to no, be but, there. Okay, but, but hold but on. Aaron Hicks hold is going on. to be the Wait, center fielder. No. Why? If you sign... You think if, that he would roll. If you sign any of these guys, if Kyle you sign Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber, if you sign Conforto, Fam or Castellanos, they're... Conforto? No, 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 no. They're, Conforto is not making Aaron Hicks disappear or regular, My relegating is, him to a if fifth you sign, spot, If you sign a left fielder, okay, yeah, Gallo and... And Judge, our center field and right field. That's your outfield. Stanton is DH. But you, ha- but you, but at that point, right? Okay. So, so let me let me back up a second. You have to sign someone that's significantly improving upon Aaron Hicks at that point, because otherwise, all, you're then just saying Aaron. All Hicks of a these rover. players are significant improvements over Aaron Hicks, who does not play baseball anymore. Well, he does play baseball in the Dominican Republic, and he's 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 on the field right now and clearly in their plans. But this would mean that you're, first of all, Conforto within this option. Do you know the no, last time I, I don't that think Aaron it's a good Hicks option. had better than one more? It was 2018. If you're going to tell me that you're going to, you're going to significantly, you're going to add a significant player. Nick Castellanos, great example. Makes a lot of sense. I'm fine with Joey Gallo more so than, than Aaron Judge, but Joey Gallo being the center fielder. I think he could absolutely do it. He's got the range. He's got the glove. He's got the arm. There's a lot of things that he can do. I, I have no problem with Joey Gallo being a, a center fielder and, in fact, like identifying him as the... By the way, the other piece of this is, and I know we're, we're talking about load management and we don't know what to expect, but Giancarlo Stanton can play the outfield and play it well as as well. Like He's a guy but, that can but do that. But if you move Stanton so to the if outfield... If you're adding like a Kyle yeah. Schwarber, if you're adding a Kyle Schwarber... You're you you better also identify him as like a good fit to your lineup and not just like adding a better. No, no, no I agree. It, I don't know if that necessarily. Well, I'm actually intrigued by Schwarber, left-handed bat, and we've always been intrigued. There was like how many times has the, really, the trade Schwarber really, rumors come he up was when really he was really good the, the last two years? Yeah, he had an unbelievable hot streak with Washington, and he was good with slow, Boston. He was really and, solid like, with fire. Boston. He was so, good with Boston. So yes. if you sign Schwarber. I think him and Stanton could almost be a left field DH hybrid where you're getting, you're kind of, they're just splitting time at each position. Okay. And then you have Gallo and Judge for center field. And then Aaron Hicks as basically the third option in center field. And Aaron Hicks is the, basically the third option at every position. Not saying Aaron Hicks doesn't play, but why are we penciling Aaron Hicks's name into the lineup every day? To me, that's asinine. When was... When was Aaron Hicks' best 2018. season? 2018. And what did he do? What do you mean? What did he do? Well, I, when he, for me, when he was making his best, his most impact actually was when Girardi was had him like no, no, floating he, around. 2018 was, was not, or 2018 when he was when he was actually uh, a guy that that they were penciling in. He uh, did, you know, did he float five around days a week, in four 2018? Days a week? I thought he was just basically the center fielder. 2018 was his best season because it's the season he stayed most healthy. He wasn't healthy the whole season. He played like 135 games, but that's the most healthy we've ever seen him. Now, 2018, that, that's, that's Scott, also, do you realize in 2018, do you realize how long ago 2018 was? Kemp was one years old, okay, in 2018. That's the last time Aaron Hicks was semi-good. So look, 2018. Um, I'm going back into the numbers so that I can uh, just make sure that my memory is is working well. When when you look at 2017, this is the 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 season also where he had 361 plate appearances, played in 88 games. Um, there was an injury oh, there oh, as well. Oh, really? Is that right? Oh, really was there? <laughs> 2016 was the first time he came over. 
when he was playing as that as that rover as well though under Girardi, like he was impacting the team in a positive way. So maybe that's the thing. Like maybe we need to identify him as more of fine uh, of that that rotation guy, that 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 utility guy. Not not a utility, but he's the fourth outfielder. Sure. He's playing not every day, so but you're every telling four me, days, how about this? Every how about five this? days, uh, a combination of Schwarber, Stanton, and left field. Aaron Judge is your right fielder. Joey Gallo is your center fielder. Hicks plays all of those positions, but mainly center field when Gallo needs to come out of the game or you just don't want to play Gallo out there in center field every day. And then Judge is your third option in center field. How, how is that for an outfield? Can Schwarber, can Schwarber play first base? He played base? a very, very bad first base for the, for the Red Sox. First base no, is he, easy, he, It's just one of those easy positions. There was this play yeah. where he like, I think it was in the ALCS or the ALDS where he just completely botched uh, a tag play and then like he made made one later in the game or the next day and kind of like gave like a, a sarcastic like bow to the crowd. Which sure. I appreciate the sarcastic bow to the crowd. Like Self-deprecation. I'm, I'm, I'm inept. I was inept and now I'm no longer inept. No, that's, I, w- that's I would say the, if you um, sign self best self-deprecating If you sign Kyle moves. Schwarber, do not plan on him playing first base. He's not a good first base option. So my, my, my overwhelming point here with Hicks is that, yes, he does not need to be the, the everyday center fielder. He does have the ability to impact the team in a way where he's more of a role player. And, I, and maybe, that's, maybe that's where he should be. Okay, fine. I'm okay with that. Because when you have the D8 spot and you have those guys that you talked about, there's a rotation that you can have for your, quote, load management where, where Stanton's going out there, you know, twice a week, mm-hmm. once a week. And maybe that's not starting yeah. until July. Which will infuriate well, someone, me. Well, someone, someone, whether fine. it's a trade or whether it's a free agent signing, they need another outfielder. And then the last thing that Mike outlined was a trade for Olsen from the A's, which I think is kind of a long shot, but who knows? We'll see. Basically, again, first base. Shortstop, outfield, first base. <laughs> Three big positions that need, that need to be addressed. Or Jose Ramirez. Was not mentioned. Or Jose Ramirez and then just shuffle shit around and figure it out. He can play the outfield too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another potential option we have not talked about is Seiya Suzuki, who is a Japanese corner outfielder who's currently a free agent. He was going to go through the posting system, but that obviously also got paused when the lockout happened. So I believe he has three more weeks, about three more weeks to be signed by a team whenever the lockout is lifted. He's an interesting player, though. He, he, I mean, his numbers in Japan are awesome. Dating back to 2018, he has been a 319 hitter with a 435 on base percentage and a 592 slugging percentage. These numbers are really good. His 2021 season, he walked 16.3% of the time and he struck out 16.5% of the time. So like you could not draw it up any better. 
I guess the only downside here is that he's a right-handed bat, not a left-handed bat. I think ideally you'd be like, oh, just let's sign Hideki Matsui 2.0 and, and, and run it back uh, because their numbers are actually pretty comparable for their age 26 seasons in Japan. There was a... If you're if you're striking out at a, a you know sixteen percent clip, which I assume that would oh go it de- up I mean it definitely here. would go up uh, definitely. But but I mean call it 20, call it twenty percent. Fine, I don't care if you're right-handed or left-handed. You know just don't strike out as much. Put some bat onto the ball, and I'll be happy. This is also interesting because he he's not going to cost as much. Oh, I guess MLB trade rumors projected him as the twentieth best free agent. And projected him to get five years and fifty-five million dollars. That's more than I don't know. Is that more than Schwarber's gonna get? Yeah, I think so. Nick Castellanos, if you're looking AAV, at those it's probably numbers is more of a I'd say player. years, you're gonna be paying Suzuki more, but AAV, you're gonna be paying these other guys more. Yeah, and as a right-handed bat, like Nick Castellanos to me makes does make some sense. Uh and God, he's a bad outfielder, though. He's a really bad outfielder. You're gonna have to give something up. There, there's they, the Yankees have a lot of really good defensive outfielders right now. Um, yes, but if you have, they need to impact the. They need to here. Let me go, coach. Speak. They need to impact the baseball. If, I need, I need, I need guys to impact the baseball in a positive way so that we can actually score some runs. You know, in tight situations against good, uh, against good pitching and 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 move move the runners. I need some runners. If moving. you have Gallo in center and Castellanos in left, that's not a great outfield. Well, what about when Brett Gardner signs? God. What's what's going what's going to be really fun is that the lockout's lifted and the big signing is Brett Gardner's coming back on a on a 2-year deal. So, can't wait for that to happen. I won't be mad at him because he'll probably do better than the other people out there at that point. <laughs> so, Anyway, I, I think it's interesting. I guess there was some drama. He was at one point following the Red Sox on Instagram and then unfollowed the Red Sox on Instagram. Suzuki, this is. Reports are that the Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays are among the favorites, but the Rangers have also shown interest. So American League East all has interest in Suzuki. Um, and there really has not been, other than Otani, who's been as advertised, there has not been an offensive Japanese player come over and really make an impact in the major leagues in, in in a long time. In a long time, yeah. I mean, we saw uh, obviously uh, Matsui and and Ichiro. Like those are two that were um, just massively important to their teams. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a minute. And when you look at right handed uh, right handed batters coming over from Japan as well, it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. His numbers are eerily similar to what Matsui was at that. Was that twenty six age twenty six season? Pretty uh, pretty interesting, but I, I'd be down for it. I think that it, it's um, you know it could be an interesting wrinkle into the way that they're using the outfield, and I think it would just make a lot of ha- people happy that they're not walking into the season with Aaron Hicks as the primary center fielder. Happy, definitely, and wh- whoever is there hit, impacting the baseball, to quote you, they're gonna have a new hitting coach. This was announced, I think, maybe uh, two weeks ago, and we just never talked about it, but the Yankees promoted had a couple in-house promotions to their coaching staff. Um, Dylan Lawson and Desi Driscoll, both will be promoted from internal positions to the coaching staff. Uh, Lawson is the new hitting coach. He was previously a minor league hitting coordinator, and Driscoll will go from being the team's minor league manager of pitching development to an assistant pitching coach role. Assistant to the pitching coach. Assistant to the Marty Blake. Yeah, and this is basically just adding more of the, uh, you know, more of the machine to the machine. To you, you gotta, you gotta make sure that people are, 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 they understand the system and they buy into the system. And this is, uh, this is just a little bit more of that. Some internal promotions does not surprise me in the way that they're, they're doing this. It seems like they're adding a lot more coaches though, so they're going to be a little bit more specialized. That that dugout's going to be, uh, uh, it's going to be a little crowded, I think, in the way that they're going to be doing this. Assistant pitching coach. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they added more on the on the. Does an assistant well, pitching coach again two managers now in the in the in the in the dugout, one real one with experience at third base, and then you know will hopefully impact the uh, the decision making. Does Arizona. an assistant pitching coach even get a spot in the dugout, or is he out in the bullpen, or is he in the clubhouse just analyzing film? Like like, what does he need to be in the dugout for? 
Yeah, he probably doesn't. It depends on it depends on uh, you know what his how he's uh, chirping into other people's ear. What he, I'm sure they all have game day. Do they, roles. Do they even assign and, him a jersey number? Yes, number seventy three, triple digits, triple digits. Um, yeah. So anyway, I guess that's all the Yankees. The Yankees news that that's been out there. Nothing really budging on the MLB can, can lockout. You even, can you really even add? Can you even add players or can you even add coaches at this point? Yeah, I mean, because they're not they part of the players' union. The player you can't. You can definitely anoint. You it. can't do anything with players' union. That's why they they press the red button to remove all of their images from from team property websites. But you can add new coaches, no problem. They're they're different. Let's add some more coaches then. Maybe Maybe we're going to get reviews. What if Give we get replacement something. players like back, like back during the '94 strike? That Keanu would be crazy. Yeah, <laughs> John, John Wick. Oh yeah, John the, Wick the is the new Yankees shortstop. Kevin Costner. Hey, man, could still pick it. Hey, we've got a bit of a fun second half of this episode because again, lockout, no news going on. We figured, hey, like what, what, what can we do to uh, to give you guys an interesting podcast, but also. We also always love talking, reminiscing about some things. We're going to do the top 10 moments of the 2010s. And you might be saying to yourself, how are you going to get 10? (laughs) Because they didn't win a championship. It was kind of filled with just guys retiring for the first half of that decade. But we have crafted 10 moments from the 2010s. And let me be clear. There is no arguing these moments. These are the definitive top 10 moments of the 2010s. I don't care what anyone says. Our opinion is just on this. You agree? Basically, yeah. There's, you know, you're looking through a decade that's not what you want to see. It's not what you, it's not what you want because a couple things didn't happen. Well, one, one, Uh, one, there was no thing did not happen. One significant thing. There was no championship. There was no championship that the New York Yankees could win. There was no championship that the fans could celebrate, and that's a problem for the New York Yankees and uh, and the fan base and all of our you know Yankee fan brethren. Like that's a that's an issue. So yeah, we got to look at some things, and mostly you're looking at regular season moments with you know a few outliers in the postseason. And normally, for these purposes, like a lot of them are just based basically. No, no, experience. these are these are universal, universally recognized moments rooted in personal experience yeah rooted in personal experience from the games that i can remember let's start it counting down from number 10 10 best moment 10th best moment of 2010s is the detroit tigers brawl in august of 2017 this was kind of a little bit of a turning point for that 2017 team because after this brawl in late august they went 20 and 8 in september and just barely didn't advance to the World Series. Who knows if the Astros aren't cheating? Maybe they do advance to the World Series. This brawl had everything. Everything you could possibly want in a modern-day brawl. Austin Romine and Miguel Cabrera legitimately, like, boxing stance fighting. Squaring Austin up. Romine ducking the punch. Like, oh, everyone, maybe everyone's like, hey, Austin Romine, I see you. I'm going to m- pretend that you should be the starting catcher for the next three years because of that brawl. The Romanites were on Austin fire. Romine truthers. This was this is when they were born. This this August day in 2017. <laughs> D Rob just full on sprint from the bullpen. D Rob, a ride or die guy, always gonna back his players. Not that anyone didn't already the D, love D Rob, but that gif of him sprinting was he produced one of the one of the great <laughs> gifts in baseball with him just absolutely going. The 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 way that you could reuse that one is just perfect. So yeah, him coming in. Uh, hot from the bullpen was terrific. The fact that you know Romine is going up against Cabrera, who is an all timer, good amount, um, good amount larger just, uh, than Austin Romine as well. Yeah, I mean Romine's no no uh, no small guy. He's a stocky dude, but yeah, I mean at this point Cabrera, you know he's he's <laughs> he's put on a few uh, at this point in his career. But some good stuff. Gary Sanchez thrown in some com- complete more sucker fuel punches. for the Austin <laughs> Romine truthers. Yeah, exactly. The, I mean, Gary Sanchez is the reason, actual reason for the for the Roman. There were there were some other but, brawls yeah. in the 2010s, obviously that we're not in, putting on this list. Um, the, I guess this the runner up would be I think it was 2018 Red Sox brawl when um, Tyler Austin clipped Tyler Austin. Um, Brock Holt, and then and then Judge had the headlock. 
ultimately, I I liked the Detroit Detroit brawl better. Uh, so that's why it makes it on this list. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Number nine, sticking with a regular season moment from April of 2017. This one is near and dear to your heart. So do you want to take this away? Number nine, This you wanted this on the list. I did want this on the list. This is the Starlin Castro comeback uh, against Baltimore in April. <laughs> this is an April game in 2017. And, you know, much like the the brawl in, in 17 was, uh, you know, a reason why we we saw this team gel and move forward and and really start to grow. See, like 2017 was probably my favorite year in, in the decade. 2016 was a lot of fun. A lot of fun because it was very unexpected. A lot the of second kids half came of up, 2016. Uh, Second half of 2016. That's what I mean. That was was a lot of fun. Actually, it ended up being a lot of fun. It was the it was the opportunity for the kids to just play dumb, right? They're too dumb to to realize that they're supposed to suck at that point. And they and they uh, it was just it was fun to watch. 2017 is when the team started gelling with veterans, young guys, very reminiscent of what we had seen in the 90s. Um, and you're like, oh man, there's something happening here. There's something happening here. And when Starlink, when they came all the way back to beat Baltimore, no less. Uh, Baltimore was Castro. still okay then, though. Jaco- Jacoby Ellsbury, Jacoby Jacoby Ellsbury had a had, he had, had a great moments in this in game. game. Yeah, and Starling Castro, I could still see it on one knee with the home run. It was just an amazing, an amazing video, an amazing comeback, and that that was a hype. That was th- there was trial and tribulations happening in April, but this was an April game that to me was just a lot of fun. Look because at this of the starting lineup: Brett Gardner, left field. Higgy ended up pinch hitting or coming in uh, for for Gardner at some point in this game. Chase Headley, your number two hitter at third base. Matt Holiday, Mr. Forearms himself, was the designated hitter. Jacoby fucking Ellsbury was the cleanup hitter on this game. Then, and starting Starlin Castro, it. second base, Didi Gregorius, shortstop, Aaron Judge in the back. He was still in the back of the lineup because still no one believed that he's the, the MVP candidate. This year, he was still hitting at the bottom of the lineup. Then, then Greg Bird. It's April. It's April. He was he was striking out at a fifty percent clip in the in the back oh, end. Of, oh, uh, believe me, I know. Greg Bird hitting eight. Austin Romine hit, hit, hitting. Eight. You just skip over Greg Bird, your boy. Greg Bird, <laughs> trying to forget about Greg Bird. We we went on like a hundred and ten episode run of not mentioning Greg Bird. And look what happened. Two th- look, do you see what happened? And this is the reason why I'm saying 2017. Aaron Hicks. Pinch hitting. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that was the key to the comeback. The key Impact. of the comeback. Impact. Key to the comeback. No, I mean, like we ha- there was a center fielder there, there that you know. Uh, obviously, we know what happened with him. But Aaron Hicks was uh, was just Sabathia started this game and just got annihilated because they were down nine to one in like the third inning. So that was when Sabathia also still hadn't really figured it out because Sabathia also in the end of 2017 started to figure his craft out a little bit, and then he had a, a big yeah. postseason run. For the Yankees, but at this point in April, CC was getting crushed. This was just one of my this was one of my favorites because of I I I just really liked the makeup of this team. This team was they showing balls. character. They had the they veterans. Had like Holiday to me was a good presence. Holiday and Judge. I think Holiday had a very big impact on Judge uh, and and what he has become. I think there was a a very good mentorship there. Your boys Chase Headley was playing like the Scott Brocious role with negative negative. <laughs> exit below uh but you know could play a decent third base went over to play some first like the guy was selfless, selfless. let's go he just did what he did what he had to do can we get matt uh, holiday yeah, to come back in a, as like a, a special advisor just like 
the the don't be a bitch advisor just to like just to like make these guys motivated again and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. I would love to see Matt Holiday on the coaching staff as a as a whatever. I don't even give a shit what his title is. No, he would be. He's the enfor. He's just the enforcer. Bring him in. When he see he's when the he forearms. sees somebody doing something they shouldn't, he goes over to them and he intimidates them into doing something that they should be doing. That's basically the Matt Holiday role. Number eight, Mariano Rivera's emotional farewell in 2013 when Pettit and Jeter went out to the mound to get Mariano with one out to go in the game because Girardi loves to take his guys out so they can get the standing ovation instead of getting you know what he should have gotten and that being the save. But Mariano crying on the mound, hugging the guys. This was very emotional. I vividly remember sitting in a hotel room in California because I was on a work trip. I was watching on an iPad, also crying hysterically. Crying like a bitch. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, uh, you know, this is the, the end of an era. We're watching our guys, you know, exit as, uh, as New York Yankees. It was an emotional moment, even for the player. So, um, yeah, it was just, this was a great moment. This is the difference between being a Yankees fan and other fan bases. When we're looking back at a, at a decade that didn't have a championship, we're looking at like the historic moments of players' careers ending uh, because they were so beloved. So it, I think it tells something to what and, this fan base is and what we've gotten. And just as if you needed any more proof of how good Mariano was, he was going to have 2012 be his last year. And he blows out his knee early in that season. He's like, I'm not going out like this. I'm rehabbing and I'm coming back and I'm still going to pitch well. And then that's what he did in 2013. And there was that whole thing. Maybe Mariano could be our center fielder. <laughs> then there was the whole thing of like, will he play center field in Houston in the last weekend of the series? And he did not. And then this is not on the list, but Pettit pitched like one of the best games of his late career in that last weekend in Houston. Also, Pettit under the radar also retired that that season. Number seven, A-Rod versus Ryan Dempster and the Erodicents. This was a fun Sunday night game. Yankees-Red Sox. And this game was not about the rivalry, just about pure hatred of Alex Rodriguez. And this was a, this was a, uh, you got to check yourself. You got to look in the mirror moment as a Yankees fan. When Dempster throws at A-Rod and Girardi is super heated coming out, fired up, defending his guys. A-Rod hits the home run. He hits the home run. A-Rod actually, for once in his life, has like a nut up moment and hits the home run. You got to, that was a look in the mirror moment. Are you on the side of, yes, I'm rooting for him because it's laundry? Or is it like, yeah, I get it. A-Rod's a D-bag. Like, we all hate him. So I was conflicted I here. Were. And I certainly wouldn't have had it Wouldn't have had it this high if it was uh, my, my only list. But I will say that um, I, when, Dem- when Dempster hit him, I was like, all right. <laughs> like, yeah, fine. Like, okay. But then when A-Rod came back and actually showed like that, that he gave a like he gave a shit and 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 hit the hit the home run, I was like, oh yeah. So that's when the laundry started coming out. I was like, all right, I got him too uh, in in this uh, emotional moment. So it was a it was a it was definitely a look in the mirror moment. You're right because there was some confliction in the way that I was feeling about both things. Uh, I'm a you know if you listen to this pod for a while, you know I'm not a big A-Rod guy. Uh, but this was part of the eroticence in, well, the, in the sense of like, yeah, I understand, like, get throw at me, but I'm also an unbelievable baseball player and I'm going to hit a moonshot. So it was a little bit of both. It was kind of a microcosm of of, of who A-Rod is, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, and, and A-Rod still ended up missing all of 2014 and comes back. And that's really when the eroticence happened, the A-Rod renaissance. And that's when he kind of seemed like a different kind of guy in 2015, started to take more of that mentorship role. That 2015 Yankees team played over their heads. They shouldn't have even been in the playoffs with really like the 2015 team was the same team as the 2016 team. And then in 2016, you really saw what they were, which is not a playoff team. And they faded down the stretch. But A-Rod had a big 2015. And as designated hitter, the Rodisons happened. Then he goes on to be a TV commentator, dates J-Lo, the whole thing. He he won the hearts of people, and I think now people are sick of him again. So eh, everything's cyclical. <laughs> Number six, the twenty-year anniversary of the nineteen ninety-six championship team, specifically the fact that we went to the Steiner Sports event where all of the greats were there, 
Mariano was there. We didn't get to talk to Mariano. Not a lot of people were there. Mariano was there. We didn't get to talk to Mariano. Pettit was there. We got to talk to Pettit. Cecil Fielder, Jim Laritz. Um, was Jorge Posada there? I can't remember. Uh, no, I don't know. Well, Posada actually definitely would not have been because he wasn't on the team. Um, Doc Gooden was Doc there. Doc Gooden was there. This, did you say Tino? Tino. Uh, again, this list is foolproof. Like this, this is the definitive list. And it's because, you know, our, of our personal experience, <laughs> this is number six. Yeah. Again, definitive list. Yeah, definitive. we were basically. Definitive list. We were hanging out for for hours, and I remember I remember after that uh, after that uh, the the party or whatever the the event was, we went to um, we went to a bar you know across the street, and uh, and we were drinking beers, just like r- reminiscing about what just happened like ten minutes ago, and it was just a very satisfying uh, you know kind of going back over it and recap. That beer was was uh, was was extra sweet because. It was a, it was a, it was a crazy moment when you're going through all those and you're talking to those guys. Uh, and these are the, these are the dudes from your childhood that, you know, um, made you feel a specific way, uh, about, uh, about a sports team. So it was pretty cool. It was definitely, definitely a highlight. Of Number five, game. the August weekend in which A-Rod. RIP Stunner Sports. <laughs> the, the August weekend is number five in which A-Rod bid adieu and Aaron Judge and Tyler Austin burst onto the scene with their home runs. The, it was no less than 155 degrees at Yankee Stadium. A thousand degrees. It was a thousand uh, I was degrees. Just sweating Coors Light. And Judge, the night after A-Rod's final game, when there was like that crazy storm at the beginning, the sky was like these yeah, God was wild like, no. colors. You, A-Rod <laughs> pissing on A-Rod, A-Rod as he comes was out. Basically a distraction in 2016 because he sucked. And like it's like, oh, are we still gonna be playing this guy? So he decided, okay, August, I'm gonna take my final bow. I'm gonna even though he didn't use the word retire, effectively retire. And then Judge, the next day, gets the call up. He goes back-to-back with Tyler Austin. Tyler Austin hits the ball down the right field line. Aaron Judge hits the ball off the center field glass. You and I are standing in center field over the Mohegan Sun sort of porch area. Yeah. Basically going nuts. We're like, oh, my God, I can't. I can't actually believe this just happened because we've been hearing about Aaron Judge and we all just want so badly for him not to suck because the Yankees never call up someone and they're actually good. So yeah, that was uh, a very memorable weekend. It was a, it was the changing of the guard is what it was. It was the changing of the guard from, you know, the 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 A-Rod and like, you know, obviously we've had a we, you have guys retiring and then all of a sudden you have these two kids coming up and hitting just piss missiles. Uh, back to back and and having a moment immediately it was it was awesome and even though Aaron Judge did not play well the rest of that season and ended with a ended with an injury that season obviously he came back in 2017 and was an MVP candidate so that's why it was so special definitely the old to the new 2000 or excuse me number four 2019 ALDS game against the Twins, specifically our Bronx Pinstripes BP crew event when we had 500 plus people in section 205 and 204 or 206, whatever the hell the section number next to 205 to the left if you're looking at the field in right field at Yankee Stadium with rally towels and t-shirts and DD slams right into our section and whole bunch of beers. That was that was one of the most memorable games events we have ever had yeah 420 people in the uh in the event it was the it was the biggest it is still to date and was the biggest group event ever in in yankees postseason history so i thought it was 500 that one too, why did i think 500 uh, it, was, it was 420 I mean, it's fine it'll, in 420 in, in five nice, years it'll be six, nice in f- in five years it'll be 600 so it's uh it it, it was so much fun. The we had mules coming into the uh, into the stadium with with shirts. No, the we rally get towels, them all the rally in. Towels. And the towel. Oh yeah, there was the towels. Everybody, we were just like, like here, take fifty towels, uh, please. Stuff them under your shirt. Yeah, take fifty towels and hand them out in the section when you get there. It worked. And it worked. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, that was a uh, that was a hell of a moment. Didi Didi knew when we were there for wild card games oh, yeah. or for playoff yeah, games. Yeah, a little a little foreshadowing by you. Number three, Jeter's final walk off at Yankee Stadium. It was a playoff atmosphere, even though it was a meaningless game. David Robertson blows the save. If he didn't blow the save, it was kind of going to be a lame, lame final game for Jeter. I think the Yankees were winning five to two or something like that, and and Girardi was going to take him out of the game, like he took Mariano out of the game. It was kind of just going to be like a 
Jeter wouldn't have cried because that's not who Jeter is. But what ended up happening was, uh, again, a playoff atmosphere in a nothing game because Jeter walked it off in his final game at Yankee Stadium. Couldn't have gone any better. No, it was it was uh, perfect. I'm going to roll right into number two because it's uh, you know similar similar vibes here. But Jeter's 3,000 hit game. The the dude goes five for five with game winning hit, and you could see the pressure mounting up. Like he needed to get it. He finally needed to get it. And you don't see much pressure on him. Uh, you don't see the in his face the pressure, but you could see the relief. I feel like he once, used once the word pressure in his post game. He said, I was feeling yeah. the pressure because he was slumping all season. And then after that game, he took off. He hit over 300 the rest of that season. So definitely got the monkey off his back. Five for five in the 3,000th hit. It, that, that was awesome. I was on the golf course for that. So shame on me. Number one, numero uno, the 2017 wildcard game. The pinnacle, frankly, of, of the 2010s without a championship. This was the pinnacle. Was this game 2017, 2017 playoff yeah. run. 2017 was, this was, this was, yep, this was. This was the beginning of that run. So Didi's first inning home runs, first inning home run was just ridiculous. the most raucous I've uh, ever been at Yankee Stadium. It, it, it was the first time I felt the new Yankee Stadium shake. The old Yankee Stadium, you could feel it. When we were in section 205, 206 for that game, we had, I think for that game, we had like, I don't know, 20 people there with us at, uh, at that time. But you could feel a shake. It was unbelievable. It was, uh, everybody had a nice, Nice time before that at Billy's had a had a clear like vibe going into the game, and then you start out of the gate with uh, with Didi. It was uh, it was for a, a team fun that day. didn't win a championship. That was the most fun playoff run I can ever have. Watching was 2017. Um, we've talked about it a million times. That we we were excited for what was to come, and it just has not materialized since. All right. That one even took you through the emotions of Severino. And, oh yeah, and shitting the bed. I mean, D Rob and then D Rob coming in and just pitching his heroics, out of his mind. His, him grabbing his crotch when Sanchez gets hit in the nuts. It's like it's like ten fifteen at night, and it's like the top of the second inning. You're like, what the hell is going on here? It it was it was nuts. The wildest baseball game, probably the wildest sporting event I've ever been to. All right, that's gonna wrap up our list. Maybe we'll do another list of another decade or another thing, another top ten list during this MLB lockout. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.